0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. We're studying the subject of redemption. Go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 2. We know our jumping off scriptures are over there in Romans. Wherefore, are by through one man's sin, death entered in. Because of that, death reigns in humanity. Not all also, but also says in verse 15, Romans chapter 5, that not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Amen? What? What about the kids? <laughs> they all need spankings before they go to Kid Current? <laughs> go to Kid Current! Give them a hand clap as they go. I think about half the people are for the spankings. Amen? Hallelujah. What's that? I would do it next week. Glory to God. I done messed up one. Let's don't mess up two. (laughs) Genesis chapter 2. Glory to God. God is so good. Studying the subject of redemption. Verse 7, And God, the Lord God, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now we've got man existing, man living, As a three-part being, man is a spirit made in the likeness and image of God. Man possesses a soul, which is his mind, his emotions, and his will. And he lives in the dirt. Anybody know that? You say, what do you mean lives in the dirt? That's your flesh. Made of the dirt or the dust of the ground. The Bible says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, where He put the man he had formed and out of the ground made the lord god to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food everybody say food, food. the tree of life is also in the midst of the garden the tree of knowledge of good and evil and then a river went out of eden and begins to talk about the different rivers now i don't want to get too deep into the rivers area of this because what rivers do is create boundaries now, let me just say this about god you know serving god in serving god there are boundaries There are things you should do. There are things you should not do. But always remember this about the boundaries of God. The boundaries of God are there to protect you and to bless you. Let me say that again. The boundaries of God are there to protect you and to bless you. The same thing was true of the rivers that God had put in creation. One river there, he took Adam down and showed Adam what wealth was all about. Adam didn't know a chunk of gold from a, you know, just a regular old rock, but God showed him that this was gold, showed him that this was a diamond, this was a sapphire. Now, this is just a regular old rock. You can go and throw that in the water if you want to, but don't throw that one in the water. Amen? So he began to create boundaries for them, for the man. He put him in a garden. He had a place for him. Everybody said he had a place for him. God's got a place for every person. Amen. Then it says here in verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, garden of Eden, to dress it and to keep it. To dress it, actually the Amplified says to guard it and to keep it. You ought to guard your Eden. I said you ought to guard your Eden. Wherever God puts you, that's what you guard. Amen. You guard your Eden. Then it says this, And the Lord God, now this is a strong word, the Lord God commanded the man, Commanded the man, saying, "Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die." Now that's a that's a that's a word we haven't seen yet in creation. So if I were Adam, I'd have put my hand up. Let me you know what that means. I'm going to ask me a question, Lord. What does that mean to die? Because up to that point, they knew no death. So you've got to understand the word death as it relates to the human family. A lot of people do not understand the word death, but the way to understand the word death is to, whenever you hear the word death or dying, when it relates to the human family, take the word death out and put the word separation in. To the human family, the word death does not mean, let me say that again, it does not mean the cessation of life when a person dies and we have the funeral for them, that does not mean they cease to exist. They might not be present upon planet earth at this point, but they still exist. If they adhered to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior while they were present upon the earth, then they are in heaven right now with God Almighty. They are rejoicing. They are are in a place of honor unspeakable peace, of unspeakable splendor and ecstasy. They're in a place that I guarantee you if you went there and got on your knees and begged them, they would not leave it. Now other people that die outside of the grace that God has provided through salvation. God does not willingly send anybody to hell. But people go there because of their rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Literally that is the unpardonable sin. The only sin that is unpardonable is the sin of the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And God gives you a lifetime. He gives you a lifetime to get that right. So go ahead and get it right now. I guarantee you now is the time to enter into eternal life. So understand that there are three different dimensions. Everybody say dimensions. Three different realities of death when it comes to the human existence. Today, number one is physical death. Most people, that's what they're afraid of. Most people, that's what they do not understand. But because of the other type of death, which is spiritual death, physical death happened. You say, how does it happen? I don't know. All I know is this. It took them a long time to figure out how to die. A lot of them lived. How long did Methuselah live? 980-something. Yeah, I mean, a long time. He lived. But people say, well, they God allowed them to live that long so they could replenish the earth. Then why did he destroy it in Noah's day? I mean, they became extremely wicked. They did not know how to die. It took them centuries to learn how to die. And the reason their physical body died, or the reason their spirit became separated from their physical body, it was because of spiritual death. God was saying, if you eat of the tree that I'm telling you not to eat of, you will spiritually die, and in spiritually dying, all this other death stuff is going to enter in. So you've got physical death, which is the spirit being separated from the body. You see that over in James. The Bible says, as the, spirit, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith also without works is dead. Then you have spiritual death. Spiritual death is simply separation from God. In its simplest form, that's what it is. It is separation from God. Then you have the third, ty- the third type of death, and that is eternal death. Now listen, because of eternal death, that's why we have Island Church. That's why I'm a pastor. That's why you come. That's why you give money. That's why you work in the children's ministry, the youth ministry. That's why you sing on the praise team. That's why some of you go to the foreign mission field. That's why some of you go to the street outreach. That's why some of you go to the jail ministry. That's why some of you work in the different departments of the church is because we, as God's children, we do not want anybody, anybody entering into eternal death or eternal separation from God. So when God said, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die, he wasn't just talking about rigor mortis. He was talking about literally a threefold curse coming upon humanity where that man would be spiritually separated from God and then death would run its course and his spirit would be separated from his body and then if he died outside of the grace of God in our dispensation or the covenant that the Jews had in the old dispensation, they would go to a place of eternal separation from God. Whoa. Now, let me just say this, because I've said this at funerals and I get a bunch of strange looks from people, but I I, I, I stick by my guns. God did not create us to die. Now, you say, well, how can you prove that? Well, how many hospitals do we have? And how... How you go to a hospital and somebody what they call codes their heart, man, they'll rush in. They'll rush doctors, they'll rush nurses, they'll rush drugs, they'll rush machines. They'll get everything, they'll do everything they can do to get one more minute of life out of you. Why does humanity so fight physical death? It's because we were not created to die. And one day we will receive a glorified body. Our body will not age any longer. It will not wrinkle. It will not deteriorate. The aging process will cease to exist. Our bodies will literally be totally connected to our spirit man. And I guarantee you because of that we will live in a glorified body forever connected to our heavenly father forever and ever and ever unable to die. But the bad news is if you're on the other side of that and you die and go to the place of eternal separation from God, one day God will dredge you up out of hell and give you a glorified body and send you back to hell to live forever tormented in that flame, in that place in which the Bible says the flame cannot be quenched. I'd serve God if I was you. You know why most people get saved? (laughs) They don't want to burn, amen. Well, i tell you, there's a whole lot more to serving God than that, but that's what death has done to humanity. Now notice this, another point. He told that to who? He told that to Adam. He told that to the man before the woman was created. Now notice this. He said, and the Lord God said, it is not good that a man be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him. Now this is a good point for all you young men that are looking for a wife. Number one, let God make someone for you. You say, how do I do that? Well, you get out there and you start doing the will of God. God will give you a purpose in life, and I guarantee you when you start doing it, God will bless you and bring the right one to you. Amen? And ladies, don't just look for some old fixer-upper opportunity. Amen. Amen? Aren't you glad you didn't do that, Leah? Amen. See, I told you. No, 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 no. Listen, if you can't give a message in tongues and they give the interpretation, you walk away from them. People say, I'll fix them up. I'll straighten them out. I guarantee no, I guarantee you'll live in misery is what you do. You let God give you a man that'll pray with you. You let a man get you, get you a man that is spiritual. And men, let me say this to you. You better be the heads of your household. You better live in the order in which God has put into this earth or you're going to have a messed up life, a messed up family, messed up kids, messed up dogs, messed up cats, and messed up everything else. I'll quit meddling go back to teaching. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every, every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Whatsoever called every living creature was the name thereof. Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. And Adam... And for, but for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. Now, here's Adam just doing what God told him to do. God said, Now, I'm going to give you all these animals. Man, I'm going to give you birds. I'm going to give you cattle. I'm going to give you. And so you name them. You say, Why didn't God name them? Because he gave the earth to Adam. I said, He gave the earth to Adam. So Adam standing there. He says, Well, that's a bird. And then another one comes. He says, Well, that's a bird, too. What are you going to Well, that's a parrot. That's a duck. That's a crane. Uh, that's an eagle. That's a sparrow. That's a hummingbird. You say, Come on. You think Adam really did that? No, I don't think Adam did that. I know he did that. You say, why do you think that? You're Come on, pastor, you're just getting all out in left field. No, that's exactly what the Word said that Adam did. And if you trace all of the origins of animals' names back, you cannot trace them back to a place where you find some scientist naming them. Amen. Isn't that strange? Well, we know by the Word of God who named them all, Adam did. Adam said, that's a bird, that's a fish, that's a dog, that's a cat, that's a rat, that's a skunk, that's a moose, that's a deer. He said all of it. You say, why? Now notice this. God was using the man to put into order His creation. Now let me say that again. God was using the man to put into order His creation. And as man obeyed God, God saw something about the man that God did not like. God looked at the man and He said, I do not like the fact that my man is alone, that he is lonely. He's doing what I've told him to do. I didn't give him a job, I gave him a destiny. I didn't give him a job, I gave him a purpose. And in doing his destiny and his purpose as he's done what I have, he's dressing the garden, he's gardening it, he's naming the animals, but he's lonely. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to help him. Everybody say help him. It says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made woman or womb man. Are you with me? That means the woman, the man with the womb. And God said, excuse me, and He made woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. Who named the woman the woman? Man did. God didn't. Man did. You say why? Because God put man, this is an important point, God put man in charge and took woman out of his side, not to be under him. And all the ladies said, Amen. Not to be under him, but to be close to his heart. To be next to him. To be his helpmate. Everybody say help. So God said, I'm going to give you some help. He gave him some help. Therefore, it says, now remember, how many know who Genesis is, who's the writer of Genesis? Anybody know? Moses wrote the book of Genesis. Now he's interacting or he's giving part of his wisdom or God's wisdom through him. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now notice this, you must understand that when you get married it is good to leave and cleave. Say, well I'm going to get married, we're going to move in with mama. you'll find out you'll have double trouble. <laughs> Amen. No, you learn to leave. You learn. Now, I know there are extra, you know, extraordinary circumstances when people have to move into their parents for a period of time, but don't you do it permanently. Don't you do it. Now, I, I, not, don't get me wrong. There are also times in which you bring your parents in in the later years of their life, and they live with you. But I'm talking about people, when they get married, it is time for you to leave the nest, little eagle, and fly away and cleave to your husband. Wives, you need a husband, not a daddy. Husbands, you need a wife, not a mama. Ooh, we can't get into that. I tell you, we we'd we'd heal twenty marriages in this place if we did that. Verse twenty-five says, and they were both naked. Now let me say this: God did not create a nudist colony. Are you with me? It says they were both naked. And the man and his wife were not ashamed. There was no shame in them. We'll see in a little bit where there was shame in them because of their nakedness. But you've got to understand, God clothes every being that He created from the inside out. Birds produce feathers. Fish produce scales. Are you with me? I mean, the, 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 even the elephant, you know, the skin, uh, uh, the rhinoceros, every animal is clothed from the inside out. That's why it looks funny when you dress up your weenie dog. And that's why they don't like it. We tried to put a Halloween costume on, costume on, on Daisy. She's our weenie dog. And she didn't like it. She didn't like it. You don't clothe me. God clothe me. That's, that was her attitude. God, God clothe me. You ain't going to clothe me. So she wouldn't dress up at Halloween. Amen. No. God clothed them. They were not running around like a bunch of people in a nudist colony. They were clothed with the glory of God from the inside out because their divine connection with God, they were clothed from the inside out. What does that look like, Pastor? I have no idea. They were both naked, and the man and his wife, they were not ashamed. Now, notice chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now the serpent, everybody say the serpent, was more subtle, more crafty than any of the living creatures or the beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. Now notice this. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, least ye die. Now first of all, let's notice a couple of things here because I'm telling you we got a tragedy fixing to happen right here. I'm telling you we got something that you may not think it's much, but it has affected your life. Two men have affected every person that has ever lived upon upon this planet. That is one Adam and then the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Now notice, first of all, here's a serpent speaking. God did not put language in any other animal except His creation. He said, but don't the whales talk? No, they don't. They make sounds. They communicate, but they do not have a language. There is not a whale language or a bird language. All that birds can do, parakeets and parrots they just mimic the sounds that they hear. But God has only put language in His creation. Are you with me? So here comes this snake. Now let me tell you, this is an illegal act. So we begin to see the nature of the adversary of God. He is a criminal. He does not have the right to do it. There is a law against him doing it, but he does it anyway. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 10. Now, he comes to who? He comes to the woman, which he does very craftily. He usurps spiritual authority. You say, why? God put the man in charge. It was the man's responsibility to teach the woman the Word. What God had said to him which is you're in the garden, I've given you all of these. Could you imagine the trees that must have been in that garden? Every fruit-bearing, every flower-bearing, every nut-bearing tree that was in the garden. And then there was the tree of life. You could go sit under the tree of life and eat of it all day long. Then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when, it gets, when you eat of that tree, what it does is it gives you the choice of good and evil. You say, God didn't want them to have the choice? No, that's why He put the tree in the garden so that they would have a choice whether to obey God or not to obey God. And if they eat of the tree, then what happens? The choices change. We'll touch on that more in a minute. Now, He usurps spiritual authority. He goes to the woman and says what? Yea, hath God said. He engages her in a spiritual conversation. Now let me say something. I'm the pastor here so I'm going to say it and I'm going to say it to help you and protect you. Not every spiritual conversation is a good one. Let me say that again. Not every spiritual conversation is a good one. I don't get into conversations when people start tearing up preachers, tearing up churches, no matter what may be going on in a church, no matter what may be going We had some people come to the church we were over on 45th Street. I don't know who they were or what they were trying to prove or do. Very nice looking couple, dressed nice. And they came in and they said, you know, God has sent us, and they named a certain church over in California. God had sent us from that church to this church. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, that's well cool, you know, all that's, that, that's all well and fine. And the first thing they did is they started talking about another pastor and another church here in this community. And they begin to just tear those people. And I stopped them right there. They were calling them by their first names. They were saying this. I said, no, no, no. We call them pastor and I name their name. And we call them pastor and I named her name. And I said, we have no disrespect for them. We love them. We pray for them. And if you come here trying to tear them up in front of us, you're making a big mistake. Well, that offended those people because they thought they could come in and engage us in some kind of spiritual conversation, trying to vindicate themselves by being here. But what they were doing, they were tearing down the structure that God had put in this community when it comes to spiritual authority. And I recognized it immediately for what it was. And I said, we ain't falling for that devil. No matter what others may say about me or what I do or anything else, I'm not falling for that. And we just kind of helped them find the back door. And they tried to do some other weird things with, you know, talk about what a burden ministry is. And Leah, she told me later, what were they talking about? Ministry. I love doing what God's called me to do. He said, My burden's easy, my yoke is like. See, you gotta be careful. Not every spiritual conversation. They start tearing up your church, tearing up preachers, tearing up your pastor, start tearing up. You should I know things. That's all a bunch of garbage, church. Let me let me tell you something about Leah and I. What you see is what you get. We ain't no different. In this church as we are at our home or any other place you get what you see is what you get this is who we are this is what we do we put up no pretenses in any way but the enemy always tries to slither into people's lives usurping spiritual authority and engaging them in spiritual conversations for the purpose of getting you out of Eden so here comes the enemy of mankind illegally the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, we shall not eat it, neither shall we touch it, least we die. Now notice, God didn't say that. God said, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall what? Surely die. She said, in the day that you eat thereof, uh, uh, that, that, that least you die. The word least in the Hebrew means, I'm not sure, maybe we will, maybe we won't. I'm, I'm wavering. The word surely means absolutely, without question. This is a truth and a reality. Eat it, die. Now notice immediately what happened. What did the enemy do when he saw she wasn't solid on the word? The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Now listen listen to that again. The serpent said, You shall not surely die. What is this? What is this? This is an absolute, outright, 100% lie. And most people that I know that have quit going to churches, quit praying in the Holy Ghost, quit the faith movement, quit what God's trying to do in their life. They have done it, and when you ask them why, they believe a lie. They believe a lie. You say, Why? Well, that's the way the enemy has not changed in 6,000 years. The issue is what? The trees. How many trees are there? Thousands and thousands. But see, what the enemy wanted to do was create a dissatisfaction in her to get her eyes off what she did have and get her eyes on what she could not have. Mm -mm -mm. Now notice he takes it a step further. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. That's a lie. For God doth know in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Now he's telling the woman, well, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about God. That's why you ought to be careful. When somebody, Let me tell you about the Sunday school director. Let me tell you about the praise and worship. Let me tell you about the... Be careful. Put up a flag. Amen. Figure out where that conversation is coming from. I know that. This, let me tell you about God. This is the devil telling God's question. Let me tell you about God. He put that tree in there to mock you. He put that tree in there. He knows that if you eat that tree, you're going to be just like him. So what he's done is the ultimate joke. He has created you. He's put you in a garden to control you and he's doing everything he can do to keep you from fulfilling your potential. Because he knows if you, can fulfill, if you eat that tree, you can fulfill your potential and be gods just like him. Well, that's part of the lie. We are in God's family, but there are two parts to God's family. There's the deity side and the humanity side. And we live on the humanity side, and God lives in the deity side. And thank God He left the deity side to come into the humanity side to redeem us and bring us back into union with God. But listen, you ain't never going to be a God. Let me try that again. You're never going to be a God. You'll be a little God, a little g of your own world, but you'll never be deity as the Mormons teach. Just thought I'd throw that out there if there's any Mormons here today. No, God's holding you back. He's holding you back. Now notice verse 9. What is that, 9? Nope, that's verse 5, excuse me. 6. Glory to God. And when the woman saw, everybody say saw. What's that? That's a sense. When she saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. You know what happened? Let me tell you what happened in her mind this click, this thought click. She looked at the tree. Now she's looking through what? Physical eyes. She's seeing how good it looks. She's listening to a conversation that's getting her into trouble. And listen, this is is the conclusion. That makes sense. I can see that. That makes sense. I can see that. Listen, I've done my best to live by faith for the past 30 years. And i got very few things in my life that make any sense whatsoever. You say, what do you mean make sense? Things that I can explain, figure out, show you, get on a board, say this is the... Word. No, 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 no. We teach the Word. We live by understanding. We thank God for who He is. But we are still creatures living in a physical dimension. we got a God that lives in the spirit realm. Faith connects us. Redemption bought us back from the adversary. Amen. And because of that, we learn to live by faith. And I guarantee you, when you get to the place in life where I can see that, and that makes sense, you're in a place of trouble. Because God does not give us explanations for everything. He gives us understanding by faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So the things that we do see, we know were made of things that do not appear. Explain that. So he's got her into the flesh. He's got her looking into... Now here's the problem. All you that are pointing at the woman, saying, man, Adam should have stuck with that parrot, you know. (laughs) And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband... Notice these two words. Not on the other side of the planet... Not swimming with the dolphins. Amen. No, with her. He's standing right there being the one in authority, allowing that snake to talk to his woman, and instead of stepping in there and saying, I'm fixing to have me a pair of snake boots, (laughs) which he had the authority to do, I'm fixing to have me a pair of snake boots, a snake belt, and a snake bill because you have made a big mistake by allowing this entity to get inside of you. And I'm fixing to show you what that's going to cost you. Instead of doing that, he allowed it. Yeah. We'll get off on that and we'll teach on marriage in a little bit. Yeah. Notice verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open. That means physical eyes open, spiritual eyes closed. The eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked. Now they are unclothed. Actually, that word is uncovered. Now they are unclothed. They are stripped naked by their disobedience. It says, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. What did they do? They went into creation. They stepped away from the Creator who clothed them with His glory and went into creation and did something for themselves. Now we got selfishness entered in. Instead of waiting for God to come down, because God later had to do what? He had to produce a sacrifice to clothe them. He had to kill one of those precious pets, one of those animals that Adam had named. Had to slaughter one of them, and take their skin, blood-stained skin, put it on them. Had to cover them with a sacrifice, sacrificing the life of an animal so that they might be covered. Well, I tell you. And now, now notice this, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, that means humanity, even in its fallen state, could still hear the voice of God. But now notice this. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Could you imagine this? How God must have felt when I don't know how many—if it was a week, a month, a year, or thousands of years—that God would come down and commune with His creation. And as soon as He would appear there, they would be. There is our Father, oh, our loving God. And there they—and then He comes down one day, and they're not there. And He's wondering. He said, "Didn't God know He had the capacity to know?" He could know if he had wanted to, but he gave the dominion of the earth to man. He wasn't checking up on man. He was coming down to commune with man, and he shows up to commune, and man's not there. They're doing what? The same thing man does today, hides themselves from the presence of God. Thank God you got saved, and you're not hiding yourself from the presence of God. But there are people all over this island, all over Galveston County, Lamar, Texas City, and when it comes to Sunday morning hour, they hide themselves from the presence of God. Listen, you weren't looking for God when He found you. He was looking for you. He found you, redeemed you, saved you, purchased you with His own blood. So here's God. He's looking for His creation. Where are you guys at? Where are they at? Now notice this. Adam's speaking. Verse 10, he said, I heard thy voice. Thy voice in the garden. Now notice this. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, first of all, where does this word afraid come from? God did not create them to be afraid of Him. But they're hiding from Him, not because of who He is. They're hiding from Him because of what they've done. And because of what they've done, now they're afraid. Where did that come from? Where did fear come from? A transference. Everybody say a transference. That's what happened in the fall of man. Adam and the woman were the master copy. We just talked about our tape series on the name of Jesus. If you were to take it home and listen to it and it was skipping and scratching and all this, you'd bring it back. And we would check the master copy. Because we know if the master copy was flawed, then every copy after that would be flawed also. So instead of trying to fix all these little copies, we would fix the master copy and begin to reproduce again. The first Adam and the woman are the master copy. Now they're flawed. Listen, how many cre- got any created beings in here? Anybody, cre- anybody created? None of us are created. We're procreated. You say, what do you mean? All of us have a mom, all of us have a dad, and all of us have a belly button. Amen? No, we got on the copy machine. The master copy of the human race is Adam. Into Adam's family came what? Everything that is wrong with Lucifer. Fear, hate, prejudice, sickness, disease, war, poverty, lack. You name the problem and it came right out of Lucifer into humanity. I was telling the earlier service, I was teaching on this years ago, I'd read a particular piece about somebody who in the year 1900, 1899, 1900, right in there, they made this declaration, this observation. Because of the technology, back then I guess it was the telegraph, the steam engine, uh, people were dabbling with, with, with the light bulb, the telephone, different things. Because of the technology of the coming century, man will be at peace. 1900, because of the technology of the coming century. Well, now we've gone 100 years, the year 2000. What happened between the year 2000 and 1900? Did we really have peace? Did we have wonderful, everlasting, glorious peace? Or did we learn how to slaughter each other wholesale? We created tanks, we created machine guns, we created hand grenades, we created atom bombs, diseases, all kinds of prejudice, all kinds of hate. Now the world is so twisted up and that's not the way God created it. That's what happened because there was injected into the human family all of this garbage. The devil and all his evilness, fear and everything else. So God had to bring us what? A new master copy. His name is Jesus. Your first birth puts you into the human family. Your new birth puts you into God's family. And no matter what happened to you because of your first birth, it is all out of proportion compared to what God has done for you through your new birth. Now let's finish this up real quick. How's my time? Oh, I got five minutes. Now notice what it says. He said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was uncovered and I hid myself. He said, who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, oh, thank God for these men. Boy, they're mighty. The woman whom thou givest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Oh, these heroes, amen. No, what happened? The same thing we see today, blame. Blame, ain't my fault, ain't my fault. It's who I am. I was born a man. I was born a woman. I was born white. I was born black. I was born Hispanic. I'm telling you, I was born, it's everybody else's fault. I hadn't had the education. I don't have the money. Everyone just blame, 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 blame. we become a nation of what? Victims. Victim mentality reigns in America today. And I guarantee you they paraded across every talk show, every this, every that, every this. And I guarantee you if you search long enough, you will find some place to hook up with victim mentality. Blaming. Now notice the blame though. Notice the blame. It's the woman, so automatically we think man's blaming the woman. It's the woman, but notice this, that you gave me. So, God, I'm just I'm just an innocent bystander. I was standing on the corner when the bus wreck happened. Come on, church. Come on. I was standing on the corner when the bus wreck happened, and it affected me like you would not believe, and it's not really the bus's fault, and it's not the corner's fault, and it's mine, not my fault. It's your fault, God. I didn't ask for the garden. I didn't ask for the woman. I liked the parrot. Man does the same thing today. Out of all of this we have what Paul shows us in the book of Romans. Man's condition, everybody say man's condition in Adam. Now go there real quick. Go there real quick. Romans chapter 3. Now look at this. This is amazing. Romans chapter 3. I'm telling you, when you see it in the Word of God, you understand. Listen, and I I I, I'm not against government. I'm not against education. I'm not against anything that helps people. But I'm listen to me, church, there's nothing we can do as a race. And what I mean as a race, I'm not talking about ethnic, I'm talking about as the human race. We can't legislate it. We can't come up with a program. We can't elect a leader. We can't exalt somebody that may have an idea. There's nothing we can do. We are stuck in this mired up thing called human existence with no hope whatsoever outside of redemption. You say, well, pastor, I really don't want to be a Christian. I I I want to find another way. There's not another way. I think the government will do it for us. It won't. It never has. It never will. Well, I think medicine will do it. They'll come up with a pill. No, they won't. I think if we just could get enough education, it won't happen. Man's condition in Adam. Did you find Romans chapter 3? Now look at this in Romans 3. It says in verse 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now let me say this. This will blow your mind. Paul is not writing this from revelation. He's writing this from study. You say, what do you mean? He's not writing. We know these, are, these letters are or Paul's revelation to the church. But understand, about two-thirds of everything Paul writes is directly quoted from the Old Testament. You want to go find these scriptures, go to the book of Psalms. This is all in the book of Psalms. So through his study, he sees out of the book of Psalms, and he realizes, that's man's condition in Adam. There is none that are righteous. There is none that is right. That word means has right standing with God. There are none that have right standing with God. Now notice, he emphasizes it. No, not one. But I know a good person. No, not one. But I know somebody that's no, not one. But there is this doctor that, no, not one. None of them are righteous. There is none that understandeth. Try to get somebody that's not born again to explain God. They can't do it. Remember before you got saved, when you read the Bible, and you couldn't get past the these and thous. You were like, I ain't reading this. There is none that seeketh after God. Listen, the world out there is not seeking after God. They're seeking money. They're seeking a better marijuana plant. They're seeking a better whatever it is. That's what they're seeking. They're not... Oh, everybody's just searching for God. Some are looking in the drug world. Some are looking in the entertainment world. Some are looking in the music world. Some are looking in the Buddhist world. Some are looking in the Mormon world. So we're all climbing the hill. No matter what may be your chosen way to do it, we'll all eventually reach God. No! No! There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, No, not one. Did you know even Jesus, when they came to Him and said, Good Master, He said, What are you calling Me? What are you calling Me? There is not one good but God. He didn't even claim goodness. He didn't even claim it. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Now notice this. Their throat is an open sepulcher, with their tongue they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. How many had to learn how to curse? Went to a cursing 101 class, Galveston College? (laughs) Or College of the Mainland? Amen? Did you have to learn how to curse? Did you have to learn how to lie? Did you sit your children down and say, I'm going to teach you how to lie? I'm going to teach you how to cheat? I'm going to teach you how to curse? Where did they get that? They got that from the origin of the human family. It came through the fall and it shows up even in your Christian children. Till they come to that age of accountability and give their hearts to the Lord, that is literally what will happen. You don't teach your kid to be mean to his little sister. How did that case? You say, man, did we bring the wrong baby home from the No? You brought home Adam's child. Remember that old show, The Adam's Family? Da-da-da-da. There you go. They were weirdos, they were crazy. But they were the what? The Adam's family. That's exactly what they were. whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Just throw a war somewhere. People don't run away, they run to it. Why do you think people are building all these tanks and guns and all this kind of stuff? For peace? Peace through strength. Sure. Yeah, right, I believe in that, but that's well and good because we're on a fallen planet, but I guarantee you, they build an M16 to be used. For what? Plowing a garden? No, they, re- they, they, they build them to shoot a hole through somebody else to kill them. Why? Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now this is literally an exposition, an expose on man's condition in Adam. Ephesians chapter 2 it says, We were by once Children of wrath, even as others. But thank God, not as the offense, so also is the free gift. God looked down out of heaven, came down out of heaven, embraced His fallen man. We'll see this next week in Genesis 3.15. Gave Him a reason to hope for redemption. Began the process right after the fall. Not two chapters not ten books later, right after the fall, gave a reason for man to hope that one day God in His loving grace and kindness would come and fix it. And He did it in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. The last Adam. The master copy was flawed, but God said, I'm going to take a brand new master copy. His name is Jesus. And every seed reproduces after his own kind. So therefore, I'm going to put him in the place that is the most important. Not the physical place. Not the soulish place. But in the place that man fell, which was in his spirit. And in his spirit, I will bring redemption. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. United back to the Father in his spirit. So that from his spirit, he can control his soul. And he can rule his flesh. And in the midst of a world that has gone insane. You don't think the world's gone insane? Look at it. Just look at it. Say, well, so-and-so's going to fix it. No, they're not. There's one person that came to fix it, and his name is Jesus. And it won't be fixed till he comes back after that seven-year tribulation. He will come back, and he will fix it totally. But it can be fixed for you today. If you will make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to learn to live by the Spirit and not by the soul and by the flesh, to enter into that place where redemption is the most relevant, which is the spirit realm, and learn to live for God, love God, love and touch others. I guarantee you, this existence at this time in your life can be your Eden. God created a garden and put man in the garden, and man blew it. So God took the garden and reduced it down to redemption. Now the garden is back, but it's on the inside. And we use our faith and the years that we have been given here on the earth to bring what God has put on the inside to the outside so that it affects everything around us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes on Him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. God fixed it, but you have to accept it in order to benefit from it. Amen? Praise God. Brother Frank, if you will, go to the keyboard. Lift your hands up and thank God. Thank God that the effects of the fall are broken over your life. Thank God you've been redeemed, not by corruptible things, but by by that which is incorruptible. The blood of Jesus Christ Himself has redeemed you, brought you salvation. Yeah, you may be having problems with your mind and your flesh, but the good news is you've been redeemed by faith. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Because of that, you can renew your mind, present your body, and learn to live an overcoming life. Father, we thank you for that. We bless you this morning. We thank you for what you've done for us in Christ. We do not take it lightly. We do not take it lightly. In Jesus' name. Never head bowed, ever eye closed. Put your hands down for just a moment. Let me ask you a question. Are you living right or are you doing right? You say... Is it a question of obedience? Only when it comes to one thing. If you obeyed what the Word said. In obeying what the Word says. By believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth if you've never been saved. Or by just getting right with God. If you've been saved and you're not living right and doing right, take an opportunity, take an occasion to get right with God and make it a serious decision on your part where you say, I'm not going to live like the devil anymore. I'm not gonna be under the sway of my flesh and my mind. I'm gonna to learn to live by my spirit where God exists. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not, I, I need to be right with God. Please, pr- please pray with me, Pastor. If that's you, lift your hand up high. While nobody's looking around, nobody at, a, at all looking around, I see one hand, another hand. You can put it down. Once you've raised it, you can put it down. I know what it's like to be away from God, to live under the sway of my flesh and my mind know that I was away from God. I see the other hand. You can put it down. The things in my life, the hate, the prejudice, the insecurity, the addictions just, just dominated me and controlled me. And I knew there was a better way. I knew there was a better way. I'd been raised in the better way. And I returned to God and I thought He'd be mad. I thought He wouldn't like me. But He received me with open arms just like the prodigal son. And he made everything right again. I see that other hand. You can put it down. He made everything right again. And I hadn't lived the past 29, 30 years without a struggle. There's been some struggles. There's been some fights. There's been some having to stand on the Word of God and just gut it out in the faith. But I guarantee you God has always showed up in His mercy for me. And He'll do it for you. He'll show up in His mercy for you. If you'll just get right with God. Get right with Him. So one more time. As I look around, if you've lifted your hand, you don't have to lift it a second time. But if God's dealing with your heart, let me say this. There's not a person in this house that will point a finger at you. There's not one ounce, not one dram of judgment in this house. There's only mercy. We know what it's like to be undone, away from God, to be addicted, afflicted, tormented. We know what it's like. But we know what it's like to come down to the altar and to get right with God and to have God cleanse us To take off with that reality of a new day, a new hour, being a new creature, and knowing that God loves us. So, if you've not lifted your hand, one more time, let me look around. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get right with God. If you've not lifted your hand, lift your hand right now. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Everybody, look this way. We want you to know everyone that lifted your hand. I want you to come up, pray with me right now. The audience is going to help you. They're going to stand, they're going to give you a big hand clap. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. We're encouraging you come down here. Get right with God. Do it, and God will bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services. Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.